Folks, happy almost Thanksgiving. Max here. Johnny and I have been tied up in our travels around the holidays, but we still wanted to put out a Thanksgiving-themed episode. So we are re-releasing our 2020 banger of an episode where we covered Equilibrium Brewing and the Thanksgiving classic Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. It was a fantastic conversation, and revisiting it from a few years back was a real treat. Hope you enjoy, hope you feel the same way, and most importantly, hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Safe travels, and we'll see you on the other side. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast from Chico, California. I'm Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. What's happening? We're back. Happy in your Thanksgiving yeah, holiday Thanksgiving. week. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, it's episode 197. Let's get, we got a lot of good stuff to cover today. So let's get our housekeeping out of the way. If you want to hit us up with all of your, uh, how your holidays went or just any feedback, Johnny will tell you the places you can get a hold of us. Instagram, Twitter, and untapped at Fresh Hop Cinema. Letterboxed at Max Benardi and at Johnny Summers. Email us at FHC as in cat, cast as in cast of a play <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> freshhopcinema.com is our website patreon.com slash freshhopcinema is where our lovely fans give us money so we can keep doing this please rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts or wherever you are listening and this is one final reminder to our patrons to weigh in on the holiday special bonus episode that we will be recording in december for release on christmas day uh we've narrowed it down uh check out that poll and please vote, get involved. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's our first annual new tradition type thing, and I'm not going to give it away yet. I'm but so you stoked. guys on the on the main feed, you'll you'll be getting to hear it too yeah, at yeah. some point. So keep your ears peeled for some Christmas goodness from us. And that's all of the reading of where we can be found that I'm going to do. Great. That's so it. a couple weeks ago, I think it might have been last week, if not the week before, you had teased that you're getting some beers for the podcast from Equilibrium Brewing. Um, I didn't know where that was. I hadn't heard of them before, um, but they are in Middletown, New York. Both of our beers on this week's episode are from Equilibrium. Johnny, what is the first one that you procured for us that we will be drinking? Yeah, a little bit about Equilibrium before we jump sure. into it too much. They're out of Middleton. Middleton? Is you know, it Middleton or yeah, Middletown? I think in England it's you'd say Middleton, but I think I don't I don't know. But I would say Middletown because I have a W. I wanna say I wanna say Middleton. So Motion granted. Stinker stinker, I'm gonna do it. Okay. Um they say that they combine research and inspiration to balance drinkability with massive flavor. Uh, and they intend to make uncompromisingly great beer founded on scientific principles and love for drinking craft beer. Uh, we will brew what we love to drink and share this with you. I like that. I do too. Their website has a bunch of cool information about them as far as who they are, what they do. They're very research-based. Uh, they're very community-ingrained. And they have a very strong emphasis on quality. So uh, really pleased with their website. And from everything that I've read, I'm going to be pleased with these beers, hopefully. So... That being said, our first beer is called Fractal Citra Mosaic. And also, before we get too much further, shout out to Andy at S&S. He uh, pointed me at these beers. He was able to get them mm -hmm. in, and they were pretty critically acclaimed on the likes of Untapped and whatnot. So super stoked for these, uh, and thank you for the recommendation. Andy helped pick these out. So 
Last time, maybe not. Who knows? Shout out to Andy. Appreciate you. Fractal Citra Mosaic is an IPA with an ABV of 6.8%. Fractal Citra Mosaic investigates the interplay between Citra, Mosaic, and our slightly revised process. Fractal Citra and Mosaic pours a resinous, hazy straw yellow, releasing complex aromas of dank citrus, passion fruit, earthy grass, and tropical melon. The taste is resinous, dank pineapple juice, touch of pine, and ends with a slightly creamy mouthfeel and a firm but rounded bitterness. This that is, is a this fantastic, is, yeah, a great description, and it's a great beer, man. I've, so I've, I've poured it um, into one of those very, uh, very highbrow Spiegelau glasses, the one uh, that you gave me that one time, um, and it looks great. The, the description's on point. It's it's almost looking like a hazy IPA. There's it's definitely not clear, um, but yeah, it's a it's sort of a pale straw. It's it's erupting aroma wise out of the glass, um, but yeah, what's catching me is that sort of tropical almost then the pineapple sort of stuff on the taste it's very very it's very sweet but a ton of hoppiness is there too and it it mellows out by the end it's really really good first impression dude this beer's so good mm-hmm. what just happened to my mouth that's what i want to know um wow so yeah it looks like a hazy beer it drinks somewhere in between yeah like you said it is yeah. a little sweet but man hot damn that's like some crazy tropical fruit that's wow this is one of the more unique beers that i've ever tasted yeah this we're is we're drinking gnarly. it at about three weeks old not even this is this is brand spanking new and it made it all the way from the east coast that's always a nice surprise too when it makes it this far and it's both um fresh um by age and by taste like it clearly didn't travel poorly man i gotta take a picture of this right now do like, it man holy, yeah <laughs> oh my God. um yeah it's it's super good i was when i was doing the notes for today's episode i was looking up um, so I mean, specifically these two beers we're covering and the one that we'll get to later in the show, the MC squared is more, it seems like their flagship one. Cause there's mm-hmm. so many reviews on untapped and I, um, I didn't care necessarily to look at what those reviews said, but there were just so many. And I was like, maybe, maybe they just send out all these beers and to everywhere. And like people get them all the time. But this one I think had seven maybe, mm. which, which told me that potentially it's a very new beer. Um, and it's also, you mentioned that it's called, um, fractal citra mosaic, they have done or are currently doing another version as well uh, with Strata and Galaxy Hops. Uh, that's what's currently on their website. Um, and I was just thinking how much of a different experience that would be. We haven't done Strata, Strata Hops on, on the show, at least singled out in a beer since um, uh, I'm sure you can remember this. I always have a harder time, but we did that Strata Hop IPA from, uh, I think it was in somewhere in Oregon. Does that ring a bell to you? Ooh, yes, 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 yes. I remember you not liking it. Yeah, right. So I was just thinking like, man, if this were the Strata and Galaxy version, I might not be so stoked. But again, like Citra Mosaic, that's that's my kind of bread and butter for, for hop choices. So I'm stoked on this. This tastes great. Dude, this beer is wild. I, this is one of the most striking IPAs I've ever had. It yeah. is, yeah. it's tropical in like, in like the tropical pack of starburst type of way. This totally. is hitting me like some crazy sort of green drink out of a coconut with an umbrella <laughs> in it. Like I yeah. feel like I should, it's so This is, this is shocking yeah, man, uh, in I, the, yeah. the best way. I'm not it's comfortable been, calling this a West coast. It's been so long since a beer has surprised me like this. Like, totally. holy shit. Wow. Yeah. My God. Yeah, I just my only issue right now is yeah, that there it's just it's not classified anywhere that I could find it at least on Untapped or, or Beer Advocate as a New England IPA, and it super is. Like, 
I mean, I don't see how it couldn't be. I don't know, man. I don't really care either. I don't need yeah. labels to tell me that this is delicious. I guess I thought this, this might be too sweet for you. But it's you not. Know, well, it's got just some astounding bitterness on the finish. And it's like, it's really, really well balanced. Like this has, it's got a sweetness, but it's unlike any sweetness I've ever had in an East Coast mm-hmm. or like a New England. Because it's not sugary sweet true it's a tropical sweetness it's like a, yeah it's a this fruit is, it's like a fruit sweetness yeah this is like the best tropical hazy ipa i've ever had in my life this is unbelievable oh snap what up i actually like, i also kind of thought um if you look at the can you can kind of see their logo wrapped around sort of the center of the can does it remind you of anything let me look let me look it's kind of harder to tell because it's in color but on their website it's just it's, it's in black ink mm. Uh, would it help if I said it's like in an alien kind of? Oh yeah, no <laughs> arrival. I was hoping it would like subconsciously make you not like this brewery. <laughs> no, the circle thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, I like that a lot. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder if it. I actually I tried to look it up, but I don't know uh, what that logo is about. But uh, fingers crossed, it has something to do with arrival. I'm sure it doesn't. It might, man, or space or drugs. Who knows? Yeah, I remember that movie. I feel like some of those symbols actually were taken from historical um, written languages. So this actually just might be a symbol that means equilibrium, or it's just a circle, and you know, circles balance out. So maybe that's it. I don't it's know. a sweet circle either way. If you're listening from Equilibrium uh, and you would like to tell us, that would be really great. That would help me sleep at night. So please don't hesitate. Yeah, absolutely. But man, what a first impression of a brewery! What a first impression! You're absolutely My right. This is great. Goodness, um, I'm gonna be. Completely honest, the only thing I'm really not digging on 100% is that level of sweetness, and mm-hmm. it is good, mm-hmm. but it's not something I necessarily want a ton of. But, dude, just for, for what it is and how it's made, this is a phenomenal beer, like really, really good. I would say 100% do not sleep on equilibrium. This is an amazing first impression. Like, yeah, you mentioned yeah. SNS and Chico. Um I'm sure it's, I would guess it's at other bottle shops, but maybe not. So we'll say S&S for now. But how much, how much is this going to run somebody if they wanted to get a can? Uh, we will rate it and then we will. I mean, well, we, I mean, we both want... know the prices. Oh, yeah. So this was, uh, Nobody, okay. yeah. that's, that's fair. So this was six bucks and 40 cents, 640 mm-hmm. for a 16 ounce can. So, I mean, still obviously a lot cheaper than you're going to pay for a pint at a bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you consider that it's from the East Coast, I'm, I'm not necessarily mad at that price. No, it's it's fine. It's not a it's not a steal or anything. It's a great beer. See, like, I'm not mad about that. Yeah, that's fine. I'd pay that for this. That's a price tag where if this beer wasn't tremendous, you yes, would have already I'd complained flip about my it. lid. <laughs> you would already be like, what the shit? Yeah. Get this $6 can of beer away from me. But totally. the fact that the liquid holds up to such a high standard and is so impressive that like... Yeah, okay. I'd pay I'd pay six fifty for this. That's fine. Yeah. Man. And that's a testament right there because you didn't complain about the price and I thought you were going no. to. Yeah. No, I no, it's worth talking about because I mean it is not necessarily like you're not gonna go out and maybe buy were they available in four packs or was it just singles? Just singles. Yeah, like I, I can't really picture anybody going out and buying like ten of these necessarily just to try them out. So like they're not a bulk buy, but yeah, if you get one or two of these on a whim or based on our recommendations, you're definitely not gonna be disappointed. Yeah, I agree Good price completely. Yeah, this this beer is is massively impressive, and I think we should probably rate it. Yeah, I'm I'm still trying to figure out if there's anything that's really bothering me. Um, I'm very very close to loving it, loving it like capital all letters. But there's like a little bit of something, and I think for me it's probably similar to what you're tasting with the sweetness, but it's the way that the sweetness plays with the hoppiness, um, and I'm not sure exactly where that's happening. Um, 
but it is happening somewhere. I think it's somewhere in the middle of, of when these two flavors collide. Cause for me, um, yeah, like what you're saying, like some sweetness, definitely up top, uh, as far as, or at the beginning of the taste. And then it kind of mellows out to like a little hot bite at the end, but there's a little middle ground where those two things collide and it's just not exactly, uh, perfect for me. Hmm. Okay. Fair enough. But it's really, really good. Well, are you ready to rate it? Yeah, I am. You go first. <laughs> All right. So I I love this beer. I think it's I think it's great. Uh, I think it's great in that it's so unique. Sure. If you do not like tropical things, you're you're gonna hate this. You're beer. gonna hate but, it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, dude. Seriously, I love Starburst. I love that just juicy, chewy, crazy pop. So. Yeah, this beer's a, like a nine three for me. Nine point three. Can I can I see your Starburst and raise you like a, a high chew? Ooh, yeah, maybe like, like a green like a green yeah, high chew. Yeah, like um, because because Starburst are obviously that especially the tropical ones like super sweet and this kind of thing, but they are a little bit more kind of artificially sugary than like yeah. a high a high chew feels feels like highbrow like almost almost health food candy, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and I would I would yeah I'd call the flavors in here particularly the tropical flavors more along the lines of like a pineapple high chew. Yeah, totally. I could see that. So, man. Well, hello, Equilibrium Brewing, and welcome to the party. God yeah. damn. Yeah. So I'm I'm right there with you, man. I'm gonna give it a flat nine because uh, I don't like complicating my decimals like that. But it's so we're basically saying the same things. It's an amazing beer. We have minor minor nitpicks about one each. Um, but all in all, yeah, great intro to this to this brewery. I'm stoked to drink their second beer later on in the show. Um, do you have anything else to add for this beer in the meantime? No, other than thank you for making it, and thank you, Andy, for getting it to Chico, and hopefully everyone out there can try this beer. Deal. Go try it, at least at SNS, but like you said, I'm sure it's around. If it's not, ask for it and say, hey, it's worth it. Get it. Fractal, Citra Mosaic, Equilibrium Brewing. So in the meantime, Johnny, would you please hop here in the passenger seat of our time machine and let me, to ta- let me take you back to 1987? Fire up that wood panel station wagon. Let's go for a drive, baby. <laughs> Uh, all right, 1987 America is a little bit different, my friend. The average cost of a new house is $92,000. A gallon of gas is 89 cents. You can get a dozen eggs for 65 cents. A stamp is 24. You can get a pound of bacon for a buck 80 if you want. Lots of stuff is happening in the world. The Simpsons make their first appearance on the television. Uh, Aretha Franklin is inducted into the Hall of Fame. Disneyland Paris is discussed. And maybe most importantly, if I may, and this is a bit of a stretch, but I'm going to take this transition anyways. <laughs> I was born. You were born in 1987, of course. That was going to be my sort of cherry on top. But the thing I was going to tie into the movie is that Britain's intercity 125 high-speed train sets the world record for the fastest diesel-powered train during November of 1987, mere weeks before the Thanksgiving family comedy classic Planes, Trains, and Automobiles debuts in these United States. Before we talk about this movie, which we are definitely going to do, let's play a trailer. During holiday travel, some people get delirious. Some get delayed. And some get Del Griffin. American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. Two happy clams just whistling down the road. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, and the Martone family. Paramount Pictures presents... Wilma! Steve Martin. Ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. 
see Don Ho while you were there? See the second show. That's the best one. Is that right? Yeah. John Candy. Why are you holding my hand? Where's your other hand? Between two pillows. Those aren't pillows. In a new film by John Hughes. Planes, trains, and automobiles. See that Bears game last week? Yeah, hell of a game, hell of a game. All right, if you didn't know, again, that's a trailer for Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, the 1987 film by John Hughes, written and directed by him. In fact, uh, you might know John Hughes. Prior to this movie, he had directed 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club uh, in 1984 and 85, respectively. Both very, like, teenage sort of angsty coming-of-age movies. Uh, So when this movie came out, it was very much like, oh, John Hughes is going a different direction. Risky move. Let's see how it plays out. He was smart enough to cast Steve Martin as Neil Page, and John Candy as Dell Griffith, and we'll tell you more about them in a second. Um, but it did come out Wednesday, November 25th, 1987. That's Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, it was in theaters for about 12 weeks, made almost $50 million on a $15 million budget, and it runs a very tight hour and a half, or, you know, hour and 33 minutes. Um, over the course of its, uh, of, of its lifespan, it's made it into plenty of film halls of fame, hall of, hall of fames, halls of fame. Yeah, Halls of Fame, <laughs> uh, including but not limited to um, Roger Ebert's uh, Essential Films. There's like a 300 movie list, and and this made it. And Johnny, if you'd be so kind as to read me something from his review, I pasted it right below. He gave it a four-star review out of four. Uh, let me know what Roger Ebert had to say about this. Yeah. The story is familiar. Steve Martin plays Neil, a Chicago advertising man, sleek in impeccable blues and grays, smooth-shaven, recently barbered, reeking of self-confidence, prosperity, and anal retentiveness. John Candy plays Dell, a traveling salesman from Chicago who sells shower curtain rings, the best in the world. (laughs) He is very tall, very large, and covered in layers of mismatched shirts, sweaters, vests, sports coats, and parkas. His bristly little mustache looks like it was stuck on crooked (laughs) just before his entrance. His bow tie is also askew. Both of these men are in Manhattan two days before Thanksgiving, and both want to get home for the holiday. Fate joins their destinies, and together they will endure every indignity that modern travel can inflict on its victims. What will torture them even more is being trapped in each other's company. (laughs) Dell wants only to please. Neil wants only to be left alone. So, initial initial questions, like, we we were... I mean, it's a fitting movie for this time of year. This is this episode will come out uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Um, so maybe while people are having some uh, travel mishaps of their own, hopefully not, but these things seem inevitable. Um, maybe less so during a COVID year. Who knows? What I was going to ask you, Johnny, is, um, I mean, we decided on this movie for that reason, but also because there was nothing new that necessarily grabbed our attention. But neither of us had never seen this before. Like, I've watched this movie my entire life, basically. My dad loved it. I was uh, telling our friend Brian Massa, uh, who I watched it with. I know him. I've seen this movie probably, probably 20 times, which, yep. and it's good every time, but I want to know your mm-hmm. history with it. When was the first time you saw it or, or maybe your fondest memories of this movie? Yeah. So it was always something that was on around this time of year. And I've watched it front to back probably four or five times mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. This is always the movie that is on TBS. Mm-hmm. And you watch it for about an hour out of it, whether it's the front half, the middle, yeah. the middle hour, or just you catch about an hour of this movie every time it's running, just like a Christmas story. Like 
I guarantee every year you watch at least a part of a Christmas story. And that's this movie for me is it's just always been around this time of year. It's always circling my, my atmosphere. And, uh, it's always held a special place in my heart because it's the best Thanksgiving movie, but maybe like one of the only awesome Thanksgiving movies, like there's been other Thanksgiving movies, but they pale in comparison to the comic perfection that is planes, trains, and automobiles. So, yeah, it's always been special to me, and uh, I loved it. It was really fun rewatching it. Yeah, man, it has all the makings. Like, because on paper, this could probably go wrong, but you get sort of the because like I was worried that some of the jokes wouldn't have aged well because I haven't probably watched it in a couple, maybe more than a couple. I haven't watched it since we've started this podcast for sure. It's been probably six or seven years since I'd seen it. Um. And I was worried going into it that like, yeah, like maybe the humor wouldn't hold up or the, the jokes would have been too late 80s and, and might not work in 2020. But between the fact that they did, and I think a big reason is obviously that Steve Martin and John Candy like have this really intense, believable chemistry. And it, it, they don't feel like caricatures of people. Um, just just by chance, I threw on um, Back to the Future Part 3 the other day, which is mm-hmm. a terrible movie. Um but even is in that the, the fir- one where they w- sorry to interrupt is You're that fine. the one where they went to the old west? Yep. Um, yep. And like even in the first one, um, Doc Brown is still kind of he's not a real person. Like you know it. It's just like crazy over the top acting. It's like watching Jim Carrey or uh, Kramer in Seinfeld. You're like this isn't a real person, but like I can buy into sort of the the sticky comedy of it. And here they like I believe them both, both characters, even though they're a little bit absurd, particularly Del Griffith as the traveling shower curtain salesman or shower ring salesman. <laughs> um, like you still buy it though. And a lot of that is the humanity that kind of runs throughout this movie. And I love that about it. Like, I think that's why it still works. Exactly. Uh, John Hughes has a real talent at um, bringing in like the almost cartoonish into a realm of believability, like in a human form, like yeah. pushing that boundary of like, this is a ridiculous person, but also you've met someone like this. Like you see someone that you've encountered in your life in this situation and therefore it's identifiable and you immediately have empathy towards one or the other or both. And that empathy breeds endearment. And then you have a holiday classic. I mean, it's so great to see a movie like this that also holds up comedically. Like, yeah, there's no cringy jokes. There's no like nothing in it doesn't hold up. I know. Man. Like it's yeah. it's it's really rare that you don't have any like off color jokes or anything that's just like, ooh, you know, you couldn't do that today. Like there's so many movies that I love them and there's. There's jokes in them like like for instance, you couldn't make Blazing Saddles today. Would never happen in a million years. No. But it's comic genius. You know, I haven't I haven't I don't think I can recall Blazing Saddles all the way through. Like I I think I have seen scenes of it, but I yeah, but I I trust you, obviously. But yeah, you're probably right. It's it's awesome, but it is just it is crass and really rough around the edges. And it's so it's it's all in the name of comedy. Yeah, but it's also a movie that could never be made today. Mm-hmm. This movie could be released in its entirety in its original form yeah. today and be successful. And that is a testament to the genius of John Hughes I know. And, and the absolute brilliance. I mean, John Candy propels this movie forward on this tidal wave of charisma and hateable slash lovable personality. Like he is such the 
you know, the cringe, like Steve Carell in the office type yeah. person where it's like, you're so just annoying and way too much, but also you're being yourself and you're lovable. Like that just brilliant character arc is something that is rarely duplicated and movies like this just knock it out of the park, man. Like John Candy was such a brilliant, brilliant person. And Steve Martin is his counterpart. Like, I mean, they're perfect. Like the, the, the back and forth, like you said, it doesn't feel, it really doesn't feel like they're acting. Like they were really just playing off of each other. I mean, this movie just feels so genuine and, We've all had days that are just so incredibly frustrating that you bang your head against the wall, like mm-hmm. especially during the holidays. But this is obviously an extreme example of that. But it's still something that, again, like I was saying, you it breeds empathy, which breeds endearment, which makes you love something. And, you know, you've all had that experience. You've all had crazy holidays. And you've all met absolutely insane strangers on an airplane. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's something that's just... It really encapsulates such an identifiable human, identifiable human experience yeah. that this movie is pretty near impossible not to love. Yeah, it does this thing where it, it does sort of like you're saying, like these two. You, we've all met the kind of annoying guy, but the movie leads you by the hand without you even knowing it. Like, because we do meet Dell. If if you don't remember, basically Steve Martin's trying to hail a cab after landing in uh, where do they Wichita. No, he's trying to leave Manhattan. He's leaving Manhattan this morning. Okay. And he trips over, uh, he's racing Kevin Bacon, who I think that yeah. cameo is not talked about enough. Because, <laughs> right? Well, because these days it's maybe Kevin Bacon's not as big a star as he was in the late 80s, but still. Um, so there's like this really comical, like almost like a Western duel sort of shot where you get like Kevin Bacon's eyes and Steve Martin's eyes as they're like seeing the same cab and they sprint. And uh, Steve Martin trips over Dell's um, trunk. And then. Mm-hmm. Takes the cab. Dell takes his cab. And then, yeah, like at that point, like, oh, what unfortunate circumstances. Then we see him again. He's like, this guy's kind of annoying. And then at some point in the movie, if you've never seen it before, so I was expecting this turn to happen, but like all of a sudden you are no longer on Steve Martin's side, right? You're like, you're just clearly a jerk. Like, how was I ever rooting for you? And I don't even Mm -hmm. know that I ever fully was, but there's that part of your brain where you're like, Ugh, I've traveled before. Like, I hate being inconvenienced by a kind person. What a drag. Uh, maybe not consciously, but like there is that like, this guy took my cab. This guy's trying to be friendly to me on the airplane. And if you take one step back, you're like, that's not something to be mad about. Probably. What right. a sweetheart. And and yeah, like John Candy is so fucking likable. Like, <laughs> oh, seriously, man, like, this movie always makes me cry at the end, particularly. Um, never. It's never not made me cry when we'll get there eventually. But um, the part that almost gets me is when they're in the hotel room, Dell calls in a mm. favor, takes him to the hotel. And like, he can't, they have to sleep in the same bed, which is also very funny. Cause they both try to like macho up. They're like, Oh, okay. Uh, let's not address it. Um, there's a lot of good, like physical comedy stuff that happens, but Steve Martin tries to go to sleep. He can't cause Dell's doing like incredibly funny but really super annoying like throat clearing nasal clearing stuff yeah and then steve martin just loses it and just rails him for like i think it's like a minute and a half of just awful insults and dell just responds like you you want to make fun of me make yourself feel good that's fine i'm an easy target but i'm happy with who i am it's just like Mm -hmm. oh what a what a i love you yeah and john candy like conveyed so much genuine like pain in his eyes in that scene like 
Oh like, man, it was great. And the, the the genius of John Hughes here is that like he doesn't cut away from that. There's there's moments of that monologue where you just stay on John Candy's face, and he doesn't do anything except like the, the slightest moistening of his eyes. Yeah, and you feel it so much. Yeah, and you just want to hug him. Oh, and it's I like know. John Candy, who hurt you? Come here, I love you. And this is like also right after he set up sort of his bedside table with like the picture of his wife. Yeah, and you're like watching it, knowing that she's not around and you're just like, man, he just wants his friend, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Man. Um, I can't remember what I was going with that. People have seen it. I, I know we didn't discuss this specifically, but I assumed we're not worried about spoiling stuff. That's from 1987. This movie is as old as I am. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. And we've all seen you. Exactly. So, um, Okay. What else do you want to talk about? I definitely wanted to get kind of the characterizations of these two people out on the table. I'd love to maybe just go through a couple of our favorite scenes. Oh, God. I mean, there's so many. I love the hotel room scene just because it's so genuine and so heartfelt. Um, you know, that's that's a real favorite. I loved yeah. when like when there there's a, a point in this movie where they shift and it's when they're in like their second hotel room that like Steve Martin had to bribe someone with a watch. Yes. Like the, 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 oh the, God, I love the it. ups yeah. and downs of this <laughs> this movie. Yeah, are so dramatic. I mean, the whole scene with the burned up car. Let and me. The can I? Yeah. Can I talk about that is, one? Yeah, y'all. You take that one. I want to talk about the hotel scene. Yeah, though. I just want to get you Be, to the hotel. So yeah. Well, I, yeah. the hotel. Wait. The hotel happens after. You mean when when um. Let me get, I know we're talking about the same thing. Let me just get you there. They're, they switch off driving. There's a, they have to rent this car. And then um, basically Steve Martin's, I'm going to say, I'm going to say characters names. Neil stops driving. Let's Dell drive. Dell's like just smoking a cigarette, like dancing and karaoke, basically drives them off the road for a second. They have a crazy spin out, get back on the freeway, going the wrong direction, which <laughs> is already like when they're talking to the other car, they're like, you're going the wrong way. And he's like, <laughs> You know, how does he know where we're going? He doesn't know. And then the two yeah, of them in the car you know? are joking like these idiots are drunk. And then like they start joking at those people. And then these two semis come and they their car kind of skates right in between the middle sparks flying on both sides. And there's a, a bit right here where you sort of get the perception of Steve Martin seeing uh, seeing John Candy in sort of like a devil, like a cheesy cartoonish devil suit. And yeah. that shouldn't be funny. Like if it's I so think funny. about it outside of the con, it's like it's okay. It's like a dumb joke and it's cut weird and but it's so funny in the moment. And I I love when something even when I logically think like this doesn't make me laugh and it makes me laugh. That's like it's like a good fart joke. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's not highbrow or intellectual, but it's like if you get if you make a good any type of crude joke if placed properly can trump most intellectual jokes, I think. Yep, just like a you know, not even a fart. In this case, just a stupid joke. Sure, but also with that is is the high reward. You also have the high risk because a lot of the time those jokes don't land. Exactly. But yep. yeah. Uh, so then, anyways, they he dropped a cigarette in the back of the car, and then that happened, and he forgot about the cigarette. So they get out after the semi truck incident, and the car catches on fire, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, they get pulled over by a cop who gives him a ticket, or does he give him a ticket, or tries to? No, he impounds the car. He impounds the car. Yeah. <laughs> and anyways, they end up at this hotel. And that's where I think you're you're getting to. Yeah. So at a certain point in this movie, Dell and Lou, whatever that, what the hell Neil. is that guy's name? Neil. Yeah. God, dog. Neil Page. Um, Neil Page. They, they've they've got this like camaraderie, and it yes. really really happened 
um, as they're leaving the train, it really something changed. The first like, train, the first one of the first trains. The yeah, breaks and down. you, s- yeah, and yeah. you see Neil just run over and like help Dell with his trunk. Just yeah, and one of my favorite things about that scene is they don't exchange any words. Oh, it's like, great. Dell just looks looks back and like, all right, my buddy, like. Yeah, and they were at odds for so much, and like, they fucking hate each other for all intents and purposes for the most part of like the first half of this movie, and um, just that shift and that like, the the easing the creeping in of humanity into Neil and the empathy and understanding and like, I just love watching Neil Steve Martin's character transform and like, become more receptive to yeah. to Dell and like it's just such a really cool character arc like Steve Martin's character in this this movie is is fantastic from where he's from A to B just a brilliant writing of this character um but yeah they become comrades at some point and they're just they're in the struggle together and eventually they just start leaning into it and that's for me when this movie is at its peak is when they're just like after the car catches on fire they're yeah. just laughing at the absurdity of their lives <laughs> and like you know that well that until he realized of, his wallet was in there <laughs> yeah oh, exactly um but there's a scene where they're they're drinking in a hotel after oh, i love it this yeah yeah that's my favorite scene in the movie it's so good and they're just you know they're covered in snacks and they just are hitting the mini bar and at one point neil says to dell like this feels like summer camp yeah, and they're yeah. they're a little buzzed and they're just being real people and they're loving each other's company and this the hands down my favorite thing in this movie is John Candy's just going to take a leak and he's just laughing and they're both just they have the giggles mm-hmm. and I love it they're just being silly and they're giggling and that's my favorite thing in the world too is just being silly and giggling like with friends and just having a few drinks and just making each other giggle like that's why this works so well you and me I'm um, I'm dif- uh, sorry. Were you finished? No, not yet. And so they're just giggling and being silly. And John Candy's walks in the bathroom and is just laughing and just opens the door and is just still <laughs> laughing and doesn't yeah, say yeah, a yeah, yeah. word and just shuts the door while he's still laughing. That's great, dude. I all it's like two drops of pee funny every time I see that scene. I'm just like I can't handle it. Like yeah. it's so genuine and so pure. <laughs> And I absolutely adore it. Yeah, it's great, man. Uh, so I was developing a theory, and I thought I'd watch. So I watched this with our friend Brian last night, um, and I'd had it, this. I guess a little bit of backstory. I was at Food Max getting dinner with my friend Jacob, neighbor Jacob, landlord Jacob, and we got all the ingredients for like a basic ass taco night. And then we went to the wine section. We were in Food Max. It was like right on the way home. So we're like, well, let's go to Food Max, and we. We were like looking eye level at the shelves. We're like, mm, let's go down. And we, do, 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 do. And we went all the way to the bottom of the wine shelves. And we each found uh, a magnum sized bottle, which is, as I understand it, a large one of wines for $10. And I picked a port wine. And okay, I drank about half of that thing, which is just basically sugar grapes, just sugar alcohol. And I, I like I rubbed the label off and I kept calling it pirate wine. So I drank about that much and then had a couple of white claws and then had some vodka and seltzer waters. Okay. And I was not remembering this theory that I had under those uh, under that influence until just now. So go with me on this, knowing that it okay. might not be fully flushed out. But they're basically this is just this is this is the story of 
a potentially really great gay couple. Because mm. what happens is, and it made, what made me think of it was the turn you talk, his character turn, where he doesn't want to be friends with Dell. Neil doesn't until they part ways, right? Yeah. He's like, all right, it's been fun. Let's get on this train. The train breaks down. Dell's pulling his stupid trunk. And he's like, ah, okay. And then there's like these little peppered in moments of like really, maybe not sexual, but certainly um, romantic Lee inclined moments. Like they're sitting in the car and they have this very typical couple argument, like back and forth about the chair, not fixing itself or like him mm. breaking the chair. Yep. And so that's the first thing. And then w- what really ties it together is that after they've actually parted ways and Neil's taking his train home, he starts like, he starts remembering what it's going to be like when he gets home with his family. And there's these sort of frosty vignettes of like his wife and his kids waiting. And then after like two of those, it shifts back to Dell and he's remembering his times with Dell. And it's like this really, maybe, maybe gay is too far, but they are, they are very much like they were meant to be as like a very good two friends. And like the yeah. the slow realization of that over time, I just I would I don't want to see a remake of this movie though there is one coming which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah, but there's just something so and maybe it's just like modern American culture be like oh well they're they're sensitive men so they must be gay and maybe I'm projecting that and I don't actually believe that maybe they're just sensitive guys eventually and he Neil's just trying to cover it up and Dell's okay with his sensitivities which I love. That's, pro- that's really in my opinion that's what it is is because Dell's kind of been that way the whole yeah, time totally. and like. Like at one point he's having that in by himself in the burned up car when he's going to sleep out there Yeah, in the snow. He's having this moment, like talking to his dead wife, like, God. I finally found someone whose company that I really enjoy. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I, I lay it, it on too thick. Yeah. I blew it. Like I just, I was too much me. And I was like, that's such oh, a heartbreak. I just wanted thing. to hug him. Yeah. But I think it is a matter of just like. Neil's not okay with sensitivity and opening up yeah. like very, you know, closed off in that regard. And Dell's just more open and whatnot. And then like you have this this come around of Neil realizing like it's like he actually cares about this guy. Yeah. Like he's actually looking back, like he's actually enjoyed his time with him and like he's a good person and you can actually like it's okay to be like, that was a moment. Like that was cool. That was something worth remembering. Yeah. And then it culminates with him going back to the train station and, and getting Dell. And that's when Dell says that his wife's been dead for eight years and he doesn't have a home to go home to. In case it's not clear, that's the line that makes me cry every time. (laughs) Yeah. He's just sitting there. Like, I don't even think the train station's open anymore. He's He's just just sitting sitting there. there I don't, I don't have a home. Jen and, uh, I can't think of her name right now, but you know, Marie, Marie. Yeah, it is Marie. Uh, has been, has been dead for eight years. Yeah. He just wants a friend, man. Um, okay. So very briefly in doing, uh, research for this, I, there was a, there was in August. So just a couple months ago, there has been a remake announced. Okay. Which really makes me mad for the reasons we've just said, like, don't, it's good. It's fine. It's a great movie. Leave it alone. Yeah. So I don't, there's nothing about this movie's out yet, except that it's going to star Will Smith and Kevin Hart. And though I like those guys, I still like, I'm part of me is just like, stop remaking stuff. Like make room for filmmakers that are doing new original ideas and don't, I kind of understand taking an old movie that was not done well and wanting to capitalize on making it better. But like to some extent, I'm not even cool with like the Dune remake, like leave it alone. You know, do you feel like that at all? Do you have thoughts about this? Did you know about this remake? I didn't and I don't need it. Yeah. 
Like, I'm good. I mean, sure, like you said, let's remake movies that need remaking, that need improvement, but, like, have original ideas and stop stop remaking things that don't need to be touched. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not even, I mean, I'm kind of okay with remaking the old ones that are bad, but I'm still, like, if you gave me a new original script, I'd be like, no, like, prioritize that for sure. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need another... Or just even like franchises or we've talked about this a bunch, but um, yeah, like, you know, uh, Fast and Furious, Marvel, Star Wars, to some extent, like stop. There's other, there's great movies from filmmakers that have ambition and new ideas. Like we need more of that. Same with new beers. Like I'm glad we're doing equilibrium. That same, same logic applies. Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, Okay. Do you feel like this is a movie that needs to be rated? No. I don't think we really need to go that route. It's a When's great, the last time, a great movie. Do we even rate movies? When's the last time we rated a movie? We rate movies every week. What are you talking about? Do we? Yeah. Are you high? <laughs> yeah, I legitimately. I mean, yeah. We rate new movies because we cover new movies, but yeah, we rate movies, man. No. Let me give you, let me quote you. Not exactly, but you'll say, all right, we're about to spoil this movie. So let's give it a rating. And then we'll move into spoilers. Press uh, that danger like, zone button, Max. Yeah. I always have to remind you. Yeah. Why did I, dude? I might have had a stroke. I had no memory of rating a movie ever on this show, <laughs> and I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, it's weird that we review movies every week and don't rate them. Oh yeah, you had a you had a real a real senior moment, is what you just did. I'm I'm very tired. It's We're a good team. A really, yeah. it's been a long week. So, uh, yeah, we. Um, I don't think we need to rate it. It's a holiday classic. Everyone yeah. loves it. And if you don't love it, you're dumb. Um, where can okay, so so obviously if you have cable, it's gonna be on this week. Yeah, probably. Just um turn on TBS. It's probably playing right now. But I don't have cable. So I watched it because we rented it on the podcast account on Voodoo, but you can probably rent it on Amazon, obviously, or I bet I bet anywhere that has movies that are rentable, you can you can rent it. Yeah, for like three bucks. Or if you live in Chico, you can go down to uh, all the best video and they definitely have it. Hell yeah. Um, okay, I think that's all I have on planes, trains, and automobiles. How do you feel about going to a break? Let us take a break. Johnny, the handlebar right here in Chico, California, is a lovely craft beer bar and restaurant that supports this podcast. And I am happy to inform you, if you don't live in Chico, there are a variety of methods of transportation you can use to get there. Three that I'm thinking of. Tell the people what they are. Well, first, you could take a plane from wherever you're at to get to Chico. You should fly in. Uh, It's a great town. You should come visit. Uh, If you can't get on a plane, you should definitely jump on a train. We have a train station right here in town. It'll get you here, uh, right to the middle of town, and you can take from that train station an automobile to the handlebar. Their patio is open if you need to escape from Thanksgiving with your family and go give thanks for some alone time. Go get a beer on their patio. They have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6. You're going to get amazing deals on beers, on cocktails, half-off bottles of wine, you cannot beat it, and like I said, their patio is still open. It's beautiful in Chico. It's going to be nice and warm out on Thanksgiving, so go enjoy them. Enjoy their patio. Support them. They support us. Once again, that's the Handlebar right here in Chico at 2070 East 20th Street. And we're back. Beer number two, Equilibrium Brewing, Middletown, Middleton, New York. Johnny Summers, what is our second beer? Second beer. It's called MC Squared, made famous by one Einstein. Albert. Lud- Ludwig von Einstein, to be specific. <laughs> oh, he's German. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Albert is his first name. Duh. I could, I've completely blanked on Einstein's <laughs> oh, first name. You, you didn't have to tell anybody that at all. Everybody thought you were joking. 
Oh, it's fine. I Ludwig was von Einstein. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know what else to say. It yeah, made the sense famous the scientist slash composer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ludwig von Einstein. <laughs> he invented the theory of relativity and also some sweet classical jams. His cousin's Duh. a great jouster, Ulrich von Lichtenstein. Yes. Deep cut there. <laughs> you know, yeah, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Give it to me, Chaucer. So uh, what is the beer? Give me all the deets. All right, so MC Squared is an IPA. It's 8%, 70 IBU, uh, and it has roughly 46,000 ratings on untapped. No big deal. Uh, MC Squared is Photon's big brother. We literally took Mm -hmm. Photon's hopping rate and squared it. This double IPA is our tribute to the amazing relationship that energy and mass are balanced proportional to the speed of a Photon squared. Mm -hmm. It pours Mm -hmm. hazy. I totally know what that means. Fuck yeah. Uh, it pours a hazy tangerine color, releasing bright tropical notes of mango, pineapple, and apricot. MC squared tastes like a succulent mango, uh, mango's juice, loaded with chewy hop resins. It's very drinkable for 8%. Be careful. This one can sneak up on you. Our own Max Minardi reporting live from the sideline. Max, have you had a chance to try this beer? I actually just poured it. I wanted to offer some clarity for anybody that's not a nuclear physicist out there. Obviously, we've heard of... Uh... Beethoven von Lichtenstein Einstein before, and you've probably even heard of M equals MC squared. Um, so just to clarify a little bit, because uh, I figured why not learn a little bit, of, little bit of something while we're at this. If you've never understood that equation, like I assume both of us have not, basically, like you said, Johnny, I'll just expound very slightly, is that in that equation, E represents energy. Uh, we measure that in joules, J-O-U-L-E-S, and the rest of it's an equation, which is mass, that's the M, uh, multiplied by the square of C in this case, that means light or in in the description of the beer a photon. Um, So basically what it's saying is that uh, for any specific amount of mass in kilograms or joules or in kilograms, you multiply that by the speed of light squared and you get the energy and the equivalence uh, in joules. So this is very important for like uh, nuclear bombs are a big ones, like splitting the atom of anything as a ton of energy. Uh, So that's where the equation came from. And it took us until the 20th century to figure this out. Uh, and that's why there is a big fuzzy-haired Einstein on the front of this can, because it is awesome. Okay, I hope maybe we're all a little smarter. Maybe a little. I think if we're a little bit smarter, we've realized that we're a little bit dumber than everybody else. I think that's yeah, a good measure have, of smartness. You're like I'm just dumb. I have no idea what you just said, but I like this because <laughs> I have a really cool gray cat named Einstein. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I was just saying I'm I'm smart enough to know that I'm pretty dumb. Yeah, me too. That's basically That's, it. It's scary when stupid people think they're smart. Yeah. So I just like to remind myself that I have no idea what E equals MC squared really. Like, I don't I'm never going to use that in my life. So I'm, I'm dumb enough to never have to use that. Yeah, exactly. And we're definitely not going to become a science podcast. So let's talk about how delicious <sighs> talk this about beer is. Have you, so, have you tried it? So yeah, so now I've poured it. Um, I was expounding on that a little bit. I have not. Have you had a chance to try it? I have. And it is interesting. I don't know if I like it as much as the last one. Uh, 70 IBUs seems high, in my opinion, for this beer. Yeah, it's a bit sweet, isn't it? Yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be as sweet as it is. I was—I mean, I saw 70 IBUs and I was like, okay, cool. This is going to mm. be punchy, a bit less sweet than the first one. When, and somehow it's, it's sweeter than the first one, and it's a double IPA. I'm confused, but I don't know if I hate it yet. I haven't decided. What do you think? Have you tried it? Have you drank it? Is yeah, it in? yeah. I think if you if you hated it, you would know right away. I'm gonna say that neither of us hate it, but I agree with you. Like it's not 
um, it's, yeah, it's not as punchy. You look at it, it's almost like a, like kind of got a Kolsch kind of vibe going. Um, if you look at the color and, and sort of the transparency of it, like it looks more West Coasty than the last one, but yeah, it is sort of deceptively, um, yeah, not punchy. Like 70 IBUs does not feel correct. It feels closer to like 30 to me. Yeah. Maybe that's what they mean when they say this one can sneak up on you. It's, it's highly drinkable. Yeah. I mean, 8% too. Yeah. Like that's certainly a factor. It's, it's not a, it's not a, not a, not a, what's a baseball, a slow ball. Is that a thing? It's not a, it's not Salt, a, like a it, change up. It's not like a change up maybe, or it's not a fastball. I'm trying to say like, it could sneak up on you. Like a change up sneaks up on you. Oh, it's a curveball. Sure. A curveball. Sure. Curveball sneak up on you because you it's way up there and then it's like all of a sudden it's in the strike zone. Oh god, yeah, or like a knuckleball. Yeah, sure, that's actually correct. I'm just naming all the pitches that I know. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's basically it. It. segment over. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I yeah, but but to answer your question, like I don't I don't hate it for sure. I don't like it as much as the first one, but I do like it. I've only had one drink at this point. Um, have you had a chance to revisit it? Yeah, no, it's good. It's subtle for an 8% beer, which is interesting. I was expecting something with a bit more personality. Hmm. For me, this yeah. beer's this beer's honestly a little subdued. It feels really it's it's hard to say that like these are negatives, but it's like super easy drinking and smooth and just like yeah. not there's really not much You're there. not interested. This, this beer just doesn't it just doesn't have as much personality. Yeah. That's true. Um and there's nothing wrong with it, but it definitely doesn't stand out. But also I see why this is their flagship yep. because it's so approachable and it's so drinkable and it's not – nothing about this beer is going to turn you off. Like this is solid. This is solid AF from a brewery. So yeah, agreed. I could see why this has a really good rating after being reviewed by 46,000 people on Untapped. Um it definitely not the most exciting thing that I've had from this brewery today, but right. um, yeah, this is everything you want in a flagship IPA, though, because like you were saying, this seems more like their flagship. It's more readily available, widespread yeah. distribution, stuff like that. Uh, it really does deliver on a lot of that that mango-y sweetness that it promises, uh, and it would sneak yeah. up on you at eight percent. This is like it, it almost drinks like a pale ale. Oh, really? Like a really pretty like tropical. Yeah, like a tropical pale ale, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't like the sweetness. I would want a little bit more bitterness and just punchiness and more personality out of it. But, I mean, that's just personal preference. This is a really well-made beer, and I'm going to rate it well, but it's not not blowing my socks off nearly as much as the first one. Yeah, I I mean, we we typically on the show structure our beer order based on ABV. So we put the the first one that we had because it was 6.8% and not 8. But, yeah, it did. I feel like it's worth factoring in like that was an extremely exciting flavor profile um and yeah this is yeah it's not bad but it's also not blowing my socks off the same way it's just like yeah it's it's good you know um i definitely want it to be hoppier and a little bit yeah i want more bite or something because it does feel a bit like if, it, if this beer walked into a room full of people it might just kind of open the door slowly and be like hey what's up i'm here and the yeah. other one's like let's do this i'm the star of the show look at me yeah the other one's one like, like shows I'm, I'm up in like a the glittery kilt Totally. Yeah. And everybody's like, oh shit, look who's here. And this one's like, yep. you might not even have known this person was at this party. Yeah. Which is fine. You know, you got to have warm bodies, I suppose. Yeah. It's, it's fine. Uh, I'm just going to get right to the point, man. This feels like a seven, two beer for me. This is, this, this is a seven, two. I'm going to rename this beer MC seven squared. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really close, uh, for me as well. I think, I think I, 
I don't know. So I've just had my second and third drinks. And I feel like I, I just, I'm trying to really divorce my thinking from how much I loved the first one. And if I yeah. do that, like I would definitely drink this beer again. Um, it's, it's a little bit more expensive than the other one, which I guess alcohol content that makes sense. But flavor wise, it, it feels like less of a, like I, I'd want to pay less. So it's about this can says a uh, six eighty nine, So seven bucks plus once you get out with tax. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd buy that again. I think I might, but probably not. So I think I'm gonna land on a solid seven. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say, we'll say seven for me. Seven, two for you again. Yeah. And that's the, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to wrap it up, but you got it somewhere else. Oh, I was just going to say that is one of the potential downfalls of doing two beers from one brewery and like really showcasing them. Yeah. Is that like, yeah, one is significantly better, better. And it, um, detracts from your review of the second. And that's, I mean, we're judging them yeah. as a whole on these two beers and as much as individually, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Overall, they make killer beer. And I think both of these are really well-crafted, but for me, the, the fractal takes it in the ratings and the enjoyability. Yep. Uh, but all, all together after we tried them, I'd say they're both really solid. Uh, I would say equilibrium brewing is well worth a try. So if you're out and about grab it, let us know what you think. Max, put this brewery to bed. All right. Again, that's MC squared by Equilibrium. 7.2 for Johnny. Seven flat for me. We also covered Fractal, the Citra Mosaic offering. 9.3 for Johnny. Nine for me. Uh, grab it at SNS if you're here in Chico. Reach out to the brewery if you want to get it. Uh, they're still shipping beers, even though their tap room is currently closed. So if you live not where we are or if you live near us but you still can't find it, hit them up. They're, uh, they're available on social media or via their website. And I certainly agree with Johnny. Yeah, it's worth worth trying at the very least. In the meantime, Johnny... I need some fresh, new, sizzling content at the very least. And maybe you tell me what's what else is going on in your life. What's got you hot and bothered, in other words? So in keeping with my newly invented format from last week, I've actually <laughs> got a TV show and a record that I've been really vibing on. Which do you want first? I think, I hope I said this last time, because I'd also like to stay with your new format. Let's say record first. Okay, record first. So last week, I brought you a record from Pale Honey, which was soothing and poppy and like stripped down indie rock. Uh, This week I went completely the opposite and I am bringing you some visceral doom down tempo metal from a band called dope throne. Mm -hmm. And the album that I've been really vibing on is called Hochelaga. And that is named after Montreal's trashiest ghetto where the trio hails from Okay, from Canada, uh, and they've they formed in that ghetto in 2008, and I am absolutely loving the vibe. It's very bleak. It's very sludgy and he- just massive, doomy, thick. Oh, just punishing, like oppressive. Like mm-hmm. it's just so heavy. Uh, I've had a really hectic week at work, and just cranking, just heavy, abrasive, angry sludgy nasty <laughs> aggressive music really yeah. just helps get me through totally uh and i've been really vibing on this record so if that sounds like something that you would enjoy in your personal life i highly recommend checking out the 2015 album hochelaga by the band dope you've got to spell it uh hochelaga h-o-c-h-e-l-a-g-a 
uh, and I'm not spelling dope throne. Sure. It's That's easy exactly enough. like it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, really loving them. Uh, there's one song in particular called scum fuck blues that is just, <laughs> it's an anthem. Is uh, it? For, of my soul. Okay. Yeah. It great. really, it, it hits me in a very personal place. Like just drinking bush beer out of the can in yeah, the okay. backyard. Yeah. Just, yep. It's home and I love it. It lands. So if you're in the mood for something like that, again, check out Hochelaga by Dope Throne. Okay. If you are in the mood for something completely different that will uplift you, give you hope in humanity, make you cry a little, and just all around make you feel fantastic. Please, for the love of God, do yourself a favor and watch Ted Lasso on Apple TV+. Plus. Okay, let me stop you this right is- there because the uh, friend of the show, Lauren Lindley, reached out to me. Um, and she also recommended the show. And I had never heard of it, but I really think that the way she described it is worth mentioning. So I was like, what's Ted Lasso? And she mm-hmm. said, Jason Sudeikis in the feel-good show of the year. It's what you never realized uh, 2020 you desperately needed. A spoonful of sugar in the unlikely version of a wholesome American football coach brought over to coach English football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So I, it's on my list too. And I'm glad you brought it up because I, I meant to mention it and, and watch it. So yeah, give me, give me sort of your, your, your take. Okay. So it has the likability of like a parks and rec, mm-hmm. but it has this unrelenting tidal wave of human decency at its core that is Ted Lasso, played by Jason Sudeikis. Mm-hmm. And it is brilliant in its writing, uh, in its casting. Um, the soccer team owner... So essentially what happens is there's a nasty divorce between a soccer club owner and his wife. And the wife ends up with the team. And she wants to ruin the team. So she f- she brings in this amateur like college football coach from kansas yeah named ted lasso Mm -hmm. in order to tank the soccer team um (laughs) yeah and ruin it and get back at her ex-husband and uh the owner of the team is played by hannah waddingham uh she plays rebecca welton in the show and you will know her she was the shame the shame nun from oh. Game of Thrones. <laughs> what Shame. a weird, what a weird, deep, random cut that is. Okay. Right? What? Um, okay, great. Yeah. But she is absolutely brilliant. And Jason Sudeikis is, you know, very spot on. The spoonful of sugar that you need in 2020. Yeah. Um, I put this on simply because I listened to Pop Culture Happy Hours review mm-hmm. of it. And Glenn Weldon fully endorsed it and he absolutely hates anything to do with sports. Yeah. So fair, fair. I was like, wow, if this is a sports show that got Glenn Weldon to love it and fully endorse it, like I need to watch it immediately. And it's, it's super digestible little 30 minute chunks. And it really is one of the most endearing and heartfelt and just, I'm immediately endeared to it. Like, I cannot wait for season two. I'm assuming they're going to make one. Uh, I don't Sweet. know. I haven't finished the first one. I'm on like episode eight or nine. Um, okay. But yeah, man, it's it's absolute. It's it's really close to like perfect TV show. Wow. Um, okay. And th- this is a show that I shit you not was made for you, Max. It has. I love when you say that. That makes me so excited. The, okay, great. The the absolute dedication to 
the idea of human goodness and Perfect. human decency. And it puts you in a better mood. Like I'm going to watch it after we record this because like, I don't know, this week got a little heavy at points yeah. and uh, it's just one of those shows. And like, I want to be more like Ted Lasso and it's such an absurd character to want to be okay. more like, but <laughs> it's just, man. And he's got just these views on life and relationships. And at one point they have like this group of, guys that are giving relationship advice to other guys and it's not shitty oh, that, like it's so, the best um, that's great. oh my god i'm just like oh you're just being real and like actually giving <laughs> good advice shit. Yeah. yeah yeah man and man. it's dude it's everything i needed in a tv show and i dare you to not binge watch it as fast as you can I, because it's just yeah. it's like a hug for your insides perfect so please watch ted lasso Please, please watch Ted Lasso. On Apple TV Plus, you said? Yep. Okay. And for the record, not the record that I, I just saw, talked man, about. I was about to make that joke, too. Good. Nice. For good, the good record, <laughs> I am done caping for Apple TV Plus. Everything that I am hot and bothered about after this week will be on a platform more accessible, because okay. I get it. Not everyone it's has $5. Apple TV Plus. But I think you have to have an Apple account or like an Apple device to sign into it not apple device like I, you do have to make an apple id can anyone do that even if they don't yeah, have an iphone for sure well that's things that people need to know because i didn't know that that's why i'm telling them good that's good that said um, that said it's five dollars a month and if you're if you're deciding where to put your five dollars put it in patreon not all right apple tv if you're if you're listening to this i'm gonna make you an ear to handshake agreement if you sign up and make an apple tv plus account and sign up and you do not like Ted Lasso, I will Venmo you $5. Wait a minute. Oh, that's really good. In addition to that, if you sign up for Patreon because you want to be on Apple TV+, Plus, I will add you to my family plan. Then you can just have it. But you need to give I'm us at least $6 a month. <laughs> okay. There you go. But um, seriously, though, great. I'm good for 5 bucks if you don't like Ted Lasso. Fair. Also, you can try. That's how you, that's, here's the other thing. You can try Apple TV+, Plus for seven days for free. So just do it. Yes, and you this know? is definitely not a commercial for Apple TV Plus. No, but but I'm sorry. This is the last week that I'm going to sing their praises. But honestly, as as someone just like you that absorbs a ton of content, like I've got the Hulu, I've got Amazon like Prime, I've got Netflix, yeah, yeah, like I've got all of them, dude, yeah. all of them. <laughs> okay, yeah. oh, I've got HBO Max. Wait, do you have? I've got do all you have, of them. Do you have the scary one? I keep wanting to ask you, and I always forget. It's called like oh. it's called like um. You know, oh, what is it called? It, it's like Screamer. It's, or, I was gonna say Scream, but it's not that. It's like I feel like it starts with C. It's like like I, cringe or creeper. It's like that. Basically, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, it's like it's basically a streaming service dedicated to horror movies, which Johnny loves. So I kind of assumed you might have had it, but you've never talked about it. So then I kind of assumed you didn't have it. I don't have it yet. Okay, it, oh, I'm gonna I'm like, gonna probably like, get it. It's like Fright Channel or something. Yeah, yeah something like that. that. Yeah. Um, but all yeah. that to say, yeah, I absorb, you absorb a lot of content. I think it's safe to say that Apple TV Plus is putting out world-class content. Yes. And that it's worth looking into for a while. I actually had one more follow-up for you based on something you talked about, I think at this point, probably like a month ago. Um, maybe not quite. But you you talked about starting um, Yellowstone, which is not uh, on Apple TV Plus, but... Um, it's available on on Prime Video if you rent the season. And you had said um, that you'd watched, I think, like 
four to five episodes. You weren't totally sure what the point of the show was, but you kind of were interested. Had, had you followed up on that at all? Yeah, man, I give up on that. Okay, great. That's that's kind of the it, impression that I got. It turned into a ridiculous soap, soap opera. Yeah, that's how it feels because Gianna started watching it. And I was just like, I don't, and like other friends have watched it too. And I've caught bits and I'm like, I think this is just like a sort of a, a saddle and spur kind of soap opera thing. It is. And, and it's like, it's, it's literally a white man trying to keep his more land. Acre yeah, like, rank, his, keep off, his more. It, yeah. And it's just like, yeah. I, I don't really care about this story. Like, yeah. I was hoping that Kevin Costner was going to be like a drug dealer or something cool. Yeah. Like, cause they, yeah, there was this whole, like the ranch is right. like at one point, like they had to fire like a ranch hand and they, they killed him. Yeah. You told me that. And it's like, why, why, what did he see? Why? What's going on? And I, I might not have stuck it out long enough to see that they're like, you know, shoving cocaine up cows asses and selling them. <laughs> but I, I don't know what the hell else they could be doing. I, it, I don't know. I need to like look up some spoilers and see no, like maybe no, there's some. Here's why. You don't have to do that. Here's the problem. Here's a problem. I was going to say, here's the problem with society. Not even close. Here's a problem with streaming show culture. It's that like how many times you've been told, maybe even by me, I'm thinking of The Office, but like where people are like, no, it's a really good show. You just have to watch the first 19 seasons and then you'll get it. It's like, I'm not doing that. Like you, you get maybe two episodes of a thing. Because to your point, like there's so much out there and like, I'm sure something gets good when you get invested in it. It's like marriage. The longer you're in it, like, you're like oh, this is starting to pay me back. But like, mm -hmm. I'm already doing a marriage. Like, I don't need to, I don't want to watch, you know, the first six seasons of some obscure show just so I can get hooked. There's something to be said for, for hookability and, and like what a pilot is good for. If you don't catch your initial audience, like, I don't think you should watch read spoilers or watch the rest of the show if you don't like it don't watch it mm -hmm. that's what exactly I think. I think you're right and i think like it was like sons of anarchy with horses yeah and just just yeah. watch sons of anarchy man um speaking of things that and this is antithetical to what i just said but uh it's less of exposure therapy and more of keeping an open mind you are a longtime advocate of the joe rogan experience it's a podcast if you listen to podcasts you've surely heard of it it's like probably top five most listened to podcasts ever. Yeah. Yeah. I have never liked uh, that podcast at all. I'm not a huge fan of sort of the open format conversational talk about whatever we decide comes up in the moment sort of thing. Um, so I've always sort of steered clear of that show, but I don't know what gave me this wild hair, but I, I, I scrolled through his episode list, like his recent ones. And I listened to an entire way too long episode all the way through. It was with, he basically interviews somebody and I'm not going to plug Joe Rogan. He doesn't need it, but he was interviewing Ben Shapiro, who is a pretty right-wing conservative, um, political figure and, and commentator. I mm -hmm. really, really disagree with about everything he believes, but I really like the way he communicates. Did you see the video of Ben Shapiro reading the lyrics to WAP? <laughs> no, but I, I think that'd be very delicious. Just like, ugh. oh, yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. like, like it's because there's like the weird, like, cognitive dissonance. Like, why is this guy saying these things? <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's, um, I'll send you the link. Okay, it's, please do. That'd be great. Destroy your brain, but continue uh, about yeah. your Joe Rogan experience. Like, so, Joe Rogan, if, if you're like me, like, has this sort of aura of douchebaggery. Like, if you don't know him, 
and like you just know him from sort of like Fear Factor and UFC. He's super broy and like maybe at first not somebody that I I thought I had much interest in hearing. But the further you dig, it seems like, and I've known this because you've told me, like he's a pretty intellectual, very open minded, great great host of a show. By the way, incredible hosting ability this guy has. Uh, knows exactly like when to ask questions, what kind of questions to ask. Um, and I was blown away because like he doesn't agree with Ben Shapiro either. And they managed <laughs> to talk about those things and find the commonalities. And I love that. I love, like, I hate listening to people just be like, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're, and they were like, yeah. okay, like I, maybe we don't agree on this, but here's one thing that we do agree on. Let's talk about that. And it was, it was like, you know, like a two hour something podcast. Um, <laughs> let me just check the clock on ours to make sure I wasn't blowing smoke, but like, that's pretty long. Um, yeah, but it was really good, man. So I've, I've circled back around, like, um, he does so many of those too, though. And they're all like really, really long, but, um, I am open-minded to Joe Rogan. And I suppose I'm bringing this up now less for the people listening to the show and mostly for you. Cause it's been sort of oh, a cool. long time thing that we've gone back and forth. I'm like, I don't care about Joe Rogan. And now I will listen to it again. Probably. Nice. I I'm selective because they are so long. Yeah. Like, the guest he has on has to have something interesting like that. I want to hear someone talk about. Yep. And like a lot of the times, honestly, it's like, Oh, a neuroscientist. I'm like, I, I can't. Yeah. Like there's something to be said for like, I almost clicked on Matthew McConaughey, but I just listened to uh Dex Shepard's armchair expert with Matthew McConaughey around the same time. Uh, the episodes were okay. released. So I assume they like still promoting his book or whatever. That's fine. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm totally with you. Like I want somebody who's, um, you know, field of expertise I'm interested in. Yeah. Or I want it to be funny. Those are the two options. Like, yeah, have a comedian on and talk about funny shit or also have something interesting. Like I listened to one that was all about breathing. There's like a breathing expert on. Okay. That was was really interesting. Sounds incredibly boring. It it kind of was, but also there were moments where I was just fascinated. Mm, Okay. Then there was also moments that put me to sleep, but that's the point of breathing exercises, right? Yeah, I guess so. Or like just to calm yourself down. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I've been told. So word. Well, that's cool though. Like maybe that's like a portal to some new possible content for you. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always good to, uh, to, yeah, like, like explore new podcasts, which is to say, thank you, sir, for turning me onto a new podcast, which is to say to all of you, turn a friend onto our podcast. We'd really appreciate it. It's the time of year where you can give gifts. Uh, so maybe save a few bucks, just recommend our show. They might thank you. Which is all to say, I think that's about all I have for today, my friend. Fair enough. Let's wrap it up. This is a good episode. Uh, Happy holiday and holidays to everyone out there. I hope you get to spend some time with family, but not too many of them, I guess. There's rules now. You have to stay apart. and I don't know. Whatever you guys do for Thanksgiving or whatever holiday you celebrate, because... Thanksgiving isn't the only one celebrated, isn't it? It's also not, another one, right? It's also not a great one. This is not the time to bring this up, but like if you're celebrating something else on Thanksgiving, probably good for you. Yeah, exactly. So whatever whatever you're celebrating, I mean, it's a long weekend. Happy holiday. Yes. Um, the show wouldn't be what it is without Bailey Minardi. If you travel on a public mode of transportation, be kind to strangers and don't be a dick if someone's being kind to you. I think is probably a good takeaway from today's episode. Um, if you're on Patreon, please vote in our Christmas bonus special episode poll that will be on Patreon slash our patron Facebook group. Um, I think that's all I got, right? Let's get out of here, man.
This is Fresh Hop Cinema.